Welcome to Ashamed of Thrones, your weekly recap for HBO's Rio Olympics, a Game of Thrones. My name is Doug. With me, as always, is Brian. How's it going, Brian? Good. These opening gags just get stronger and stronger as we go. I, I put even less thought into them every week. Have you been watching the Olympics at all? No, no, I'm not interested. Not even for a little bit? No, I like sports in general, but something about the Olympics. Uh, not, I just, not even, you don't I'm, get the jingoistic pride just like, hey, this guy is, he's, I've never paid attention to competitive ballet, but this guy is going, he's an American, so I got to root for him. Nothing that? No, not since what they did to these Russians. I really think they gave them an unfair shake this year. I, I, I haven't been keeping up with any of that, so I have no idea oh, if that's in Russia. Like every Russian track and field for doping and uh, yeah, they booted a bunch of people in the Paralympics. It's crazy. Oh yeah, um, I did read about the yeah. <laughs> I did read about the Paralympics. Russian team yeah. beat, getting booted for doping. That's horrible. Yep. State sponsored bo- doping program. It's insane. That's that's pretty cool. Well, you got to do what you got to do. All right. So yep. um, speaking of you want winners, don't you? I absolutely do. Speaking of uh, doping, how'd you feel about this episode? Uh, this one was just okay uh, to me. Um, it, it, there wasn't a ton of action, and again, it was a lot of stuff we already knew. Although, again, I know we say this almost every episode, it was interesting seeing details and things I missed in the prior episodes or misremembered. For instance, I forgot that, that it was Illyrio talking to Varys. Yeah. I, I thought that we didn't even see who he was. when I, my, That was my memory of it, and of course, it's clear as day. When we watch it this time, I have a better idea of what's going on. Yeah, you mentioned that last episode, uh, and yeah, but that's the whole point of doing this. We're not trying to, um, and I don't want to keep comparing ourselves to the bald move guys, but they stole our idea. We had it first. Somehow they found no out question. about it. Yeah, there's no such thing as parallel uh, thinking. Uh, they heard what we were going to do, and they decided to do it. But they're trying to cover the show as if no one's seen the show before, and I think that's uh, uh, that's crazy. And I think you're ultimately going to pollute uh, the listener uh, if they have never seen the show, and you're going to spoil stuff. And we're definitely going to take it from a um, you know perspective that we've seen episode six. We're all caught up, and we're just going back now. And looking for these little uh, details and nuggets and trying to, you know, see what it's going to tell us about the plot going forward. Just trying to be more informed, I guess, from that perspective. Um, but this episode, uh, I would agree with you, but I can say compared to last week's episode, this one had more action, uh, more intrigue, and uh, I just flat out enjoyed it a lot more. Um, not going to say it was a great episode. I'm just saying that um, it was more of the same, only I think the intrigue was enough to pull it up out of the gutter. Um, and I'll give my official review, but uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to think it's about middle of the road, um, which is pretty good. So, yeah, not bad. Not bad. Mm-hmm. I'll put that yeah. in the sandwich form maybe later. All right. Perfect. Uh, so I'll start us off. We start out in King's Landing, and Detective Ned is hard on the case of what happened to Sir Huel, uh, uh, Robert Aaron's young squire that got promoted to knight. Uh, Immediately following Robert uh, John Aaron's death, um, it's John Aaron, right? Not Rob Aaron. Sorry, uh, but uh, you know Ned learns nothing. He basically just sees the corpse getting dressed by the uh, the nuns or the Silent Sisters, as they called, and he shoots the shit with Barristan Selmy. Um, you know they seem to get along pretty well. Uh, Ned recognizes Sir Barristan as being the greatest swordsman of their day. Game uh, recognized game. Game recognized game, and Sir Barristan informs us as the audience that Ned's no slouch either. 
Um, mm-hmm. And they're pretty chummy until Selmy brings up what happened to Ned's father and how the Mad King murdered him. And Ned immediately changes the subject and gets kind of cold. Um, so I thought that was interesting, the fact that like anytime Ned's father comes up, he, he immediately squashes it. Like He doesn't even want to talk. Jamie did the same thing, and I think... Uh, <laughs> Why does every freaking person feel the need to bring up the, the fact that his dad was murdered brutally? Especially if it's been, like, what, 17 years or something like that? I don't understand that. Right. I think it's tr- them trying to offer their condolences, but at the same time, you know, you just don't drop that, you know, yeah. right away. Like, hey, how's it going? I heard uh, <laughs> your dad got roasted alive by the Mad King. It's fucked up, right? Yeah, it's fucking eighth time I heard it today. Yeah. Exactly, that's what you're known for. So, yeah. uh, not much from this opening scene. Just it's it's feeding the or picking up where the last episode left off with um, Sir Gregor um, accidentally, quote unquote, killing uh, Sir Hugh of the Vale, um, who was tied to John Aaron's death. Uh, did you get anything else from this opening uh, scene? Not really, but I, I did want you to, if you if you have this knowledge at your uh, disposal, uh, explain who the Silent Sisters are. Yeah, so the Silent Sisters are, they're affiliated with the Faith of the Seven, so they're like Septas and Septons, only they specifically care for the dead. Uh, they might have other responsibilities, I just can't recall them right now, in my um, uninformed, haven't read a book in a while, had a couple of beers, state. But I'm fairly certain that they take a vow of silence, so they don't talk, and their job is to clean and dress and preserve the bodies for the afterlife, whatever the rituals are. Um, What the hell kind of recruiting pitch is that? You're never going to be able to talk again, and you have to dress dead bodies for the rest of your life. Well, it's basically the... Sign me up. Well, I mean, you know, this is a time where you had to marry off your daughter and probably give some kind of dowry and stuff, so, you know, instead of spending that money, maybe you can just, you know... Have her go off to Silent Sisters. Yeah. Well, there you go. All right. So uh, go next scene, we, we go to uh, see Robert and Ned speaking in Robert's tent. Uh, Robert is apparently upset that Ned is fat shaming him. Uh, Robert wants to says that he wants to participate. Actually, Selmy told Robert uh, or Ned this, that Robert wants to participate in the upcoming tournament or the actually ongoing tournament. That's what we call a segue. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, um, but Ned explains that Robert... He can't fight because nobody will hit him because he's the king. Not only that, he's a big fat slob. Uh, more uh, Lancel torturing, which is kind of funny. I mean, that, that guy is morphed so much from uh, this scene, this first season, where he is like this blonde, like pixie-ish looking kind of guy to crazy man with uh, Charles Manson tattoo on his forehead in the end of the season or end of the um, sixth season. Um, so not much to that scene. I, I thought it was, you know, pointing out Lancel's appearance, I thought he looked ridiculous. Like, yeah. his hair looked super fake. Like, he looked like, uh, you know, um, I forgot. What do they call that uh, haircut? It's like Prince something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. yeah he kind of looked like the uh, Leave Britney Alone guy. The what? Uh, the YouTube star that was screaming, Leave Britney Alone and crying. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But yeah, he just he just looked kind of like ridiculous and fake. Like he looked like one of the like his costume slash wig um, is yeah. one of the least like low production value or the most low production value thing they put on uh, the screen. Um, thing, I thought the same thing about the shields in this episode. The shields in this episode looked like they were made out of cardboard. 
Yeah, I mean, some of them were, you know, for the joust, and they were intentionally small. Uh, speaking of mm-hmm. the joust, I think it's ridiculous that um, it's a weird change. So in the book, Robert wants to be part of the melee. The melee is where everybody just gets into a pit and beats the shit out of each other. It's basically like a demolition derby, only with human beings. And that is something I think that uh, King Robert would excel at. The fact that you'd make him joust, he doesn't look like he would joust even when he was uh, fit. It just doesn't fit his character. And I understand that yeah. maybe they want to simplify some, the things, but they even bring up the joust later when Renly is uh, having a sex position moment with Loris. Um, Loris makes fun of Renly for getting a little sick and puking when a guy lost his eye in the melee. So I don't understand. If you're going to bring it up, you might as well. I don't understand the change. Um, yeah, they didn't have to add any scenes or anything. Right. Maybe they just don't have to go through the paces of explaining what the melee was. Yeah, but. it is kind of French sounding, but I feel like everybody's uh, played Smash Brothers. So I guess you might, you know, we all know what a melee is at this point. It's just a big brawl. Um, sure. So small, small little, um, uh, little aside there. Also, I love the line, it won't fit my lord. Your mother was a dumb whore with a fat ass. Did you know that? <laughs> An amazing, yeah. amazing line from uh, King Robert. He's just talking about how he's he's upset that he's surrounded by Lannisters. Uh, he has a Lannister squire, uh, Lancel, and how the whole thing was uh, John Aaron's idea for him to marry Cersei and get in bed with the Lannisters to begin with. Once again, a very probably smart political move, but you know this was not Robert did not make this choice. This choice was uh, made for him, and he went along with it. So you know this just goes along with. People give him a lot of shit for not being a good king, and he is a terrible king, but I, I, I don't think he ever wanted it. I think it was something that, like, was thrust upon him, uh, just like Cersei Lannister and being surrounded by all these Lannisters. Sure. All right, sure. so where do we go next? Uh, next we go to, uh, we go, we meet uh, Loras Tyrell, the King of Flowers. I think this might be the first time we've seen him on the screen, maybe not. Uh, but he's at the uh, the tournament and he gives uh old renly the come hither look uh little finger of course makes a gay joke um he's jousting uh the third rate the homeless man's gregor clegane um, <laughs> yeah yeah and so uh, uh loris defeats gregor in uh, the joust by using a uh, horse that was in heat a female horse that was in heat um that upsets the mountain and he goes uh, bananas Chops off his horse's head, goes after Loras. Sandor intervenes, uh, does a lot of sword fighting with Robert, finally calling it off. But it's kind of odd how they, they those two went at it, uh, the Sandor and Gregor, without anyone stepping in and, and breaking the thing up. You know, you would right. think that there'd be some level of decorum uh, for this thing. And I guess maybe though the the mountain is so crazy, he just doesn't give a shit whether there are rules or uh, whether there should be decorum in this situation. Uh, I want to say that like the Clegane Bowl is something that everybody's rooting for to happen like in the series now. Clegane versus Gregor, and we actually saw it, and it is a very um, unimpressive throwdown here. Uh, when you said it was a third-rate hound or a mountain, I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, the guy is very big. When he walks away, you can see how much bigger he is than everybody else. I feel like they didn't uh, pull off. But there was even a dude that was, was only a couple inches shorter than him as he walked away. There right. was a dude who was only a couple. I mean, he. The, they the should have had mountain. some hobbits or, like, you know what I mean? Like, they yeah. should have pulled some perspective tricks. You know, and this isn't very high production value stuff. They could have had people that are slightly uh, closer to the camera than he is. 
and pretend no like he's walking by him. Uh, they just didn't do a great job of making the mountain as men- menacing and as fucking evil and threatening as he he gets in this very show later on. Um, yeah, this is just some balding dude. Yeah, it was, it was underwhelming. Yeah, very underwhelming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you so, felt a sense of like, well, that's fucked up when he started cutting off his horse's head, and he seemed yeah, very Jesus. angry, but. He he just seemed like an angry dude. He didn't seem like an angry dude who no one could stop. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, so I feel like that was a uh, they they came up short there. Um, only the other thing I have to say about this is Gregor in the um, books is proclaimed the champion by Loras for saving his ass, and uh, Sandor gets the winnings from this tournament, which I think is is important because. That's also why he's able to leave King's Landing a couple uh, seasons and books later, uh, because oh, okay. he has this huge purse and it gets robbed from him by the uh, Doctors Without Borders uh, in that cave later on. Gotcha, gotcha. So I, I thought Renly's uh, mask to—I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Loris's mask to look kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I don't it know looked, how you see to that. Thing. It looked ridiculous. Yeah. Like I understand they were trying to probably uh, uh, contrast the mountain. And his armor, yes, but it looks absolutely like I, I don't know. Look like, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what it looked like. It just look ridiculous. Yeah, like like tin foil, yeah. like I don't know, fancy pants, like not even practical. Like I, I understand that you're gonna err on the side of uh, form over function sometimes, but you get. I mean, the whole point of armor is to make it functional, so you don't get yeah. killed or stabbed or scraped. And this just True. looked ridiculous. Um, so I feel like yeah they blew uh they blew something there by having his, I don't even know what it looked like it you know what it reminded me of like if um Hellraiser what is the guy named Pinhead if he yes. had like a, if he needed like an extra guy like <laughs> extra guy in his crew just okay. uh, guys if you've ne- if you don't if you've never seen Hellraiser um don't first of all just Google image Hellraiser though and you'll see this guy and his crew and I feel like Loris would be at home there. Yeah, the Knight of Flowers, one of Pinhead's crew. That, that'd be funny. Uh, so then we go back to the hills with Cat and the gang. Uh, Bronze there, Beard Burns. Um, Tyrion finally, they take the hood off Tyrion. He deduces that they're on the way to the Vale with the Ire. Ire or uh, Eerie? Eerie. Eerie. Is like Indiana. Yes. Yes. Eerie, I. Uh, uh, he realizes that, uh, points out the stupidity of Cat's plan, uh, but while he's doing that, uh, or the Cat's deduction that the you know he he was the one that, that was his his that knife, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tyrion again is smarter than everyone there, and Cat really, Cat really should be paying attention to him somewhat, uh, in my opinion. But anyways, they're attacked by a group of hillbillies. Um, Tyrion Lannister actually saves Cat, and this was the first person that he kills. And you also see him uh, buddy up to Bron a little bit further when they make a joke. Yeah, that was a pretty good line. Um, I agree. Bron says something about having a woman after a fight, and Tyrion says, uh, "I'm willing if she is." Which also d- d- it displays Tyrion's, uh, I think, his compassion in that it would have to be consensual for him to do it. Whereas uh, you know, a lot of a lot of these guys, uh, that's not that's not part of their deal. I agree. I wrote down this is the first exposure to the Bron uh, Tyrion duo, and that line was ripped right from the books, and that's just a great line. Um, but it, it shows several things. Once again, Tyrion is the good Lannister. He had a chance to just save his own ass, and he intervened in save Cat's life by bludgeoning a guy with the pointy end of a shield in a ridiculous manner. Yeah. Um, oh, I didn't even think about that. He could have just let her get killed there. Then yeah, he was him. he was cowering, and often he just he yeah. was like, oh. 
you could tell he had that grumble like, oh, I've got yeah. I've got to do something. Like he couldn't just let her, which which says a lot about him and how honorable he is. Oh, um, uh, wait, one last thing. Um, I I want to say that the I like the bandit attacks, how they were attacking with rocks and shit. <laughs> I, I just love how like low rent. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm I'm being serious. How low rent it was. Yeah, like no. these guys they can't afford things. armor. They can't afford steel. Uh, they literally attack with um, stones and kill people with stones. I mean, you know, watch out for your kids. They they throw rocks at cars. They can kill people. Uh, oh jeez. This is a PSA. Um, no, but I I I I did like this scene. I felt like it had a lot of uh you know a lot of action. A lot of uh, character development in the action so it wasn't just like we get a lot of this in the later uh seasons where it just seems like a xena scene i'm thinking of uh when theon and um what's her name everybody hates her sansa. So when when yeah. theon and sansa are running into the woods uh and brienne comes out of nowhere and just kills everybody it's just like a an obligatory action scene uh, but this was an action scene that actually had some character development with uh, with Tyrion, and he got to see Bronn handle himself pretty well. As, uh, in addition, so I like that. Yeah, agreed. All right. So where do we go next, Doug? We go to Winterfell, and Bran is getting a geography slash uh, house history lesson from Maester Lewin. Civics lesson, maybe. Yeah, exactly. social studies, current events. I don't know how you want to uh, uh, do this. And Theon's in the background. Um, you know, nailing targets with his um, bow and arrow. And it just basically comes out that Bran's pissed off at his mother for leaving him alone. And and that's basically it. Um, I think it is a good point, and especially considering what's going to come. Do you think it was... I mean, I, I just can't justify Kat leaving her family like this. Like, she... It wasn't a good idea for her to run off to King's Landing. She could have trusted somebody else, I guess. Um, yeah, because other people know, uh, and f- fucking Littlefinger knows by the time that uh, that she gets down down to the uh, to King's Landing. But yeah, I agree with you. It was a bad decision on her part, I think. Right, I can't justify it. People justify it like you know she's she's doing this to save the the family. But I got to think there's other people that you have to be able to trust with this information to go tell Ned. Um, and you need to be just some not- fucking beard burns. Yes. Just yeah, done. Well, Beard Burns, I think, is the uh, Castilian. Like he's the uh, the highest military ranked guy there. So he does kind of mount the defense of Winterfell later when uh, Theon takes it. So I understand maybe him, but you got to think they have like you know lieutenants and pe- trusted people uh, yeah. up the wazoo. Um, I I don't know. I think they could have sent somebody not only for Bran's sake because Bran was still in a coma when she left. But also because of Rickon, who was like four years old, for fuck's sake. Um, send a, send dumb shit Theon down there. Well, yeah, Theon's not to be trusted, as we'll learn. Yeah. Anyways. All right, but um, you know, I didn't I didn't see much um to this scene. So if you don't have anything left, I'm gonna go on to the sex position that follows. Yeah, it was boring. Yeah. So the sex position was awful. I mean, we got to see Roz. You know, I I just look back on Roz on being completely annoying. But upon further reflection, she did have a great body. I, I liked her character. I really? thought I thought she was interesting. Ah, yeah, because I she did. I, I I thought that she kind of uh, advanced, even though she was a prostitute. She seemed to have some agency and advanced herself through the world. 
to some extent. I don't know. She was kind of funny sometimes. I, I liked her. but uh, I guess it was just the book reader in me that hated her the entire time. Like, well, what the hell is this? Who is this person? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we get this weird sex position scene, and really it's just Theon and Ross going at it. Roz? Ross? They said Ross, like in uh, Friends. Um, so her, so Theon and David Schwimmer are having sex, and we get <laughs> no, that I pay to see. We just get more backstory about um, the Iron Islands and the rebellion, and the fact that Theon's a hostage, essentially, and not a ward. As you know, like I said, this is all slowly starting to come out after the fact. Uh, yeah. When we thought Theon was just like I don't know, a very dear friend of the boys because he's always around. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, nothing else gets really accomplished here. Um, well, we get to see Theon hang it. Yeah, he briefly. hangs Dong, yeah. Uh, it, went very, it went flaccid very quickly. Very quickly, you think? Yeah. I don't know, I don't you, know but... <laughs> you know, when you're... <laughs> yeah, but that does an odd detail. Uh, no, I but I, I, I wrote down I, the same thing. Yeah, yeah, it was like a, they popped a water balloon or something. Um, so, <laughs> And that's and how it works, kids. The, <laughs> yeah, you little perverts. Uh, this scene and the prior scene, uh, Theon just thinks he's a total badass. And man, I, I can still remember how annoying he was um, the first time I watched it. Yeah, and, he's supposed uh, to be. He's supposed to be a cocky little shit. Yeah, which is, kind of, I mean, it's kind of poetic justice that he gets his, his wang cut off. Um, but yeah, uh, not much to this scene. This scene was kind of pointless because we did have all this information a couple of times at least yeah. prior to to this scene. I agree with you. I, I think it's so just, this just looked like an opportunity for them to show a boob and a dong. And, yep. but yeah. once again, it wasn't effective sex position. They could have taught us something a little bit new. And I feel like yes. we didn't get anything new here. Um, so yeah, I thought it was the word, you know, the most boring part of the show. Just kind of like, I started, my mind started to wander thinking, all right, can I flip channels? And then I realized, oh, no, I'm watching this on demand. Just fast forward. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, then where do we go? We see Arya chasing cats in uh, King's Landing. Let's, and I don't know why. Let's chase cats. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why Ned hasn't already sent Arya back to Winterfell. But anyways, uh, we see Varys and Ned uh, chatting. Um, we cut to that. Uh, uh, Varys warns uh, Ned that Robert's in trouble. And this is the first time he's told him. I think they said months, actually, that 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 uh, Ned had been in King's Landing. Um and I guess this was the first time that uh, Varys could trust trust Ned, which obviously we know later is a facade or a false statement. And they discuss John Aaron's poisoning, and of course uh, Varys ties Hugh to John Aaron uh, to John Aaron's death. Not only that, but he hints that uh, whoever his murder was not by the hands of Sir Gregor was not accidental, and Sir Gregor is yeah. in. Um, uh, he's in the I don't know his bosses are the Lannisters. He's a uh, yes. I don't know vassal to the uh, Lannisters. So once again, Varys is maybe aiming uh, Ned towards the Lannisters, which uh, when we get to the next scene uh, makes a little more sense that he wants this kind of to happen, or he recognizes that it's going to happen. The Lannisters and the Starks are going to get down uh, to business. Yeah, so we go back to Arya chasing cats, and suddenly she's down in the dungeon and. We see the dragon skulls there, which that was really interesting because I don't know that if we prior to this scene had actually seen a physical representation or confirmation that these uh, dragons actually existed. I, I don't think we have. And it was yeah. uh, it was impressive watching it, uh, um, you know, now 
after we see how big the dragons are and the size of the skull is monstrous. So, you know, uh, Drogo, Drogon, whatever the, her, her biggest dragon, uh, still has a while to go if he's going to get this big. Yeah, um, Jesus. That's going to be huge. But, right. Ridiculous. Um, so uh, Arya overhears uh, Varys and Illyrio discussing the wolf and lion being at each other's throats. And this is the, the uh, obviously now in retrospect, in having the the foresight that you have, they're working to install a Targaryen on the throne. And uh, so this is what is confusing to me: is why is Varys? Do we know why Varys thinks that uh, Danny or or a Targaryen in general, I guess, would be the good rule a good ruler for Westeros? No. So the prevailing theory, once again, this is all book knowledge, but the prevailing theory is that. Either Illyrio and or uh, Varys are really a bastard offshoot of the Targaryens themselves. So, huh. I don't want to get too far into it because it's dumb. But essentially, there was uh, a Blackfire Rebellion where um, basically one of the kings before he died legitimized... No, it wasn't even that. Uh, he didn't legitimize all his bastards. That was another rebellion. Could it be the same one. Regardless... There's an offshoot of the Targaryens uh, that were bastard-born that wanted to rule the throne. Um, and in the books, for sure, Varys and Illyrio are trying to paint this kid as Aegon Targaryen, um, the kid that supposedly had his head bashed in by Gregor when uh, Ty- uh, Tywin Lannister stormed King's Landing. So basically, they, they're trying to install uh, another Targaryen, and in the show, that doesn't exist. So I don't know how we square this with Illyrio uh, and Varys being on Danny's side, because that's really the only side they can be on. There's no other Targaryen for them to install. Yeah. So they got Yeah, it doesn't on, make a whole lot of sense. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, especially when you think that Varys, when we get to it later, is the one that tells Robert all this stuff from uh, Mormont. More, uh, jo- yes. Dior Mormont, or... Yeah, Jorah, sorry. Jorah Mormont's uh, intel about how Danny's pregnant, um, she's married a horse lord, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense if he wants her to be the ruler or even Viserys. Yes, because she would have been killed if it wasn't for Mormont changing his mind and knocking the poison out of her hand. Right. And presumably Varys knew that the whole time, so... It, it, it that 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 struck me while I was watching this episode. It actually, when the scene went with the small council meeting a little bit later, yeah, that 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 does not make any sense whatsoever. I don't know how that can be squared whatsoever. All right, so if she, you listeners have a theory on that, go to uh, Shame of Thrones and uh, put a comment somewhere. Yeah, like up your butt. Um, so, so, anyways, uh, outside that's and that's a really big plot hole. But I I, uh, I would agree with you, and I wonder yeah. what the showrunners would say to that, like. What was Varys and Illyrio's plan? Because basically they're bickering on whether they should uh, speed up this conflict that's coming between uh, the Starks and the Lannisters or delay. That's the big, if you go through the conversation, that's what's at uh, heart there. And I guess they choose to speed things up because that's, you know, uh, Varys is the one who just literally before this scene told Ned that... uh, you know, that the king's in danger, uh, that uh, Sir Hugh was probably killed on orders because he knew too much or was involved and they didn't want the real culprits to be pointed out. So, oh, yeah, that doesn't make sense either. Right. So he's speeding up this whole, uh, he definitely is speeding up this whole 
Stark versus Lannister, Lannister war, right? Absolutely. No question. So I, I really don't understand his motivations at all. Yeah. I don't know. Please, somebody explain it to us. So uh, after the scene, there's actually a pretty cool transition to where the, it cuts to the, the Iron Throne, which I thought that was a good, neat transition. Uh, we see Varys and Littlefinger uh, taunting each other. Uh, they're discussing uh, Littlefinger's customers' perversions. Uh, Varys knows that uh, Littlefinger's been meeting... I'm sorry, Littlefinger knows that Varys has been meeting with foreigners, including uh, Illyrio. Illyrio, and, yeah. Yeah, very. Uh, Littlefinger knows that very or Fer- <laughs> Varys knows that Littlefinger was involved in John Aaron's death. Basically, having a secret battle to see who knows more about the other one. Yeah, I said it was an intellectual dick measuring contest. Yeah, uh, except one of them has no dick. Right. So, so um, to kind of a, a scene, I think, designed just to show us how much these guys know and how they uh, they're also kind of at odds with each other, but they know enough about each other to screw the other one. So uh, they really can't, I, I don't know, I guess they're fighting each other for um, who's better in terms of the, uh, the the small council and who's the better manipulator and, and master spy keeper or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, I just felt this scene went on too long. I remember being bored watching it because it starts off real slow about Vari's, you know, talking about Littlefinger's uh, whoring endeavors and how he supplies whatever corpses, you're into. Yeah. You know, corpses, boys, girls, whatever you're into, he'll get you. Um, but it just it yeah, just went on forever. Uh, yes, it did. But it basically concludes with uh, Renly informing them that the king is going to attend a small council, and when Littlefinger asks acts surprised, Varys gets him with the last shot by saying, "Oh, news from abroad! Didn't you know?" Uh, kind yes. of. So I guess he wins that argument. But at the same time, I don't give a shit. Um, it just seems like uh, you know verbal fencing, and uh, I don't really care. Um, Agreed. So we cut to uh, Arya, and that sewer rat crawls out of a sewer and tries to get back into the castle. So she escaped the dungeons below King's Landing where she was hiding from Illyrio and uh, Varys. Um, And she gets shit from the guards. She gives the shit right back. And um, she's shown inside. Ned, once again, is pissed off that he has to look for his daughter, just like he did uh, when she disappeared after uh, the whole Nymeria biting Joffrey thing. And Arya tries to relate what she overheard to Ned, and Ned dismisses it. You know, another yeah. warning that, you know, they said you're going to die. Oh, shut up, she, girl. She had enough information that Ned should have taken that dead serious. I, I mean, I agree, that, yeah. Yeah, the uh, said something about the, 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 the uh, lion and the stag will be at each other's throat. I mean, he really should have taken her serious. Yeah, I, and, I, the, and if one hand can die, one out the other. And it, obviously, they were interrupted by Yorin with... More, I guess, pressing matters about Catelyn um, kidnapping Tyrion. Yes. But at the same time, yeah, this is just showing you how tragic it is that Ned sees all these warning signs and does nothing to uh, to avert it, or he could have he could have avoided his fate. Yeah, or the the fate of his children. And you know, it's funny when you look at how serious Ned is and how much he cares about his kids. If he only knew that Arya later would be participating in, or not participate, be participating, actually getting beat up in the streets as a <laughs> bum fights, it's kind of funny. Yep. So, anyways, Cat uh, and the remaining uh, members of a ragtag group arrive at the Vale. We kind of uh, she gets sassed by a guard, but is uh, is eventually taken there. I think this was just an excuse to give us a shot of the ire, irie. Yeah, eerie, um, I guess. Yeah, ear. What? God, I don't know. I can't ear, say that. Not eye. It's uh, instead of eye. When you think eye, think ear. 
Eerie. Think nose and throat. Okay. Eerie. E- ENT. So the book description of this is crazy. The Eerie. Yeah. You have to like like get on. You have to ride a goat. Like you can't do it on foot. And it takes and like there's three castles. Days. There's like three yeah. uh, castles that, you know, go up incrementally up this mountain. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And the, the descriptions in the book, too, it's. It's, it sounds so dangerous, and it takes a, like a day or two. And I, I don't know. The eerie look, the, the shot of it was kind of disappointing, or at least I, I would have liked to have seen the climb up it. Um, I mean, they wasted enough fucking time in this episode that they could have done that, but I don't know that actually helps with the story yeah, at all. Yeah, it probably wasn't in the budget. detail. Yeah. yeah. But it was um, a really yeah, a wasted scene. A nothing really happens. Like, I don't – nothing happens except for I think uh, we get also more um, – Braun and Tyrion buddy ship because mm-hmm. Tyrion says something like, Oh, they say the the Eerie's impregnable and Braun has the witty line which if I ever make a soundboard it's gonna make it on. Give me ten men and some climbing spikes, I'll impregnate the bitch. Uh it'll be right up there, right next to uh Bad uh, Pusse. Yeah, bad Pusse. It's just gonna go back and forth and I'll drop a beat to it. Uh <laughs> one day guys, we get our Patreon subscribers up to ten thousand. I will uh, make that soundboard and do some live jamming on the I, podcast. That song, that song would be better than any of anything Avicii's put out. So <laughs> I have no idea who that is. Too old for that shit. All right, so yeah. we go back to King's Landing, and we are in the small council meeting where Robert learns that Danny is pregnant, and he is pissed, and he wants her dead. He wants her brother dead. He wants the baby dead, and everyone agrees with him except for Ned. Ned thinks it's unhonorable, and we know. Uh, looking back, that Ned has affiliation for Danny because his stepson slash nephew slash bastard son John uh, Snow is really a Targaryen. Uh, I'm guessing. I mean, that's oh yeah, yeah. That's so why I he's pissed. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly why he's pissed right here. Uh, it has to be uh, unless there's some other reason. Uh, well, he's he's <laughs> Ned's just not against killing children. <laughs> Basically is what I want to say. He might be okay with killing children in other circumstances, but because he has like a direct uh, affiliation, it's like when uh, you know uh, Dick Cheney is for gay rights. After <laughs> you, he coming. learns that after he learns that his daughter is gay, not before. Um, but yeah, this is uh, just well. Ned. Has, has Ned killed children in other situations? I mean, that guy from the Night's Watch was pretty young. Couldn't have been more than like seventeen, eighteen. Anyway. Um, yeah, the deserter. The deserter. He looked pretty young, but that's not a that's not a <laughs> fucking kid. Anyway, so so Ned is pissed, and, he, and we don't know this. You know. What? That's a false equivalency, and you know it. Whatever. We don't know how Ned feels about random children being murdered by Robert because this yeah. is not a random child being murdered by Robert. This is somebody uh, Ned's technically related to <laughs> through. Uh, the union of his sister and Rhaegar Targaryen. Um, so I guess, would this be a cousin? No. It'd be his, so his I, sister's maybe husband, or at least baby daddy, a uh, little sister. I, I, so I, I don't be, know. No, they'd be, uh, they'd be sister-in-law. It'd be a sister-in-law. Go. There we go. We figured it out, guys. Fuck you. We figured it out. Uh, doing the hard work here on A Shame of Thrones. Yeah, assholes. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, so Ned just is not willing to budge. 
everybody has great intellectual reasons why they should take out Danny, and I really can't argue with them. Uh, mm-hmm. She's a threat to Robert's uh, position as a lord and his uh, subsequent, uh, you know, uh, kids taking over, whatever it's called. Anyway, uh, because of this, Ned decides to quit the hand ship. Uh, but before he can get the fuck out of town, uh, Littlefinger talks him into staying a little longer to pursue another lead um, in John Aaron's murder. So let me ask you this. Did we know for sure before this that Jorah Mormont was a spy? Uh, not 100%, but when, I mean, we saw... When you yeah. Went, yeah, when you go back and look at it. Yeah, I mean, we saw last week when he's just like, oh, Khaleesi's pregnant. I've got to go to this other place. And then suddenly everyone in Winterfell knew, that, or at King's Landing knew that she was pregnant. Right. Um, it definitely seems suspicious, but yeah, this is, I guess, uh, spelling it out for us that Jorah is a spy. Right. And of course, when Ned says, take this job and shove it, uh, Robert says that he'll have his head on a spike. And uh, this is, I I don't know how Ned, when Littlefinger says, just stay till tonight, not take you to the last place that that John Aaron went. What kind of fucking rude move move is that? I mean, I don't know why he didn't just get out. Yeah, why would he say, I don't give a fuck anymore, I'm getting the fuck out. Like, uh, you know, he, he talks about, you know, getting his kids out of town, but he's... You know, I'll, uh, my curiosity is going to get me here. Yeah, why does he give a shit at this point? Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, John Aaron was a father figure to him. But at the same time, the whole situation is fucked, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'll, I mean, the, I'll read about it in the history book over. later, I guess. I, like, he should yeah. have just gotten the fuck out. Once again, it's another one of these moments of, like, looking back, it's so hard to uh, watch this first season slash read the first book. We're like, Ned, just don't be this stupid. Don't be this naive. <laughs> <laughs> I just make yeah. one, you know, one choice here and it doesn't happen. So, yeah, um, I guess it's part of the tragedy of the whole thing. Well, that, I guess he was kind of trusting Littlefinger to a point because it had seemed that Littlefinger was on his side. Yeah. I mean, the guy wants to fuck his wife. Why wouldn't he trust him? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so then we we go back to the Vale or no, it goes, it's the Erie at this point. It's in the Vale. We- so that, that makes sense. Eh, shut up. Uh, so we meet your boy, the idiot tit sucker. Man, this, this kid banana is such head, a badass. His banana head mother. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, I remember watching this scene the first time and just being like, what the fuck? This was almost <laughs> more disturbing than when we found out the brother and sister were fucking. <laughs> I would argue that this is definitely more disturbing because, yeah. like, you know, brother and sister pretending to fuck, I'm aware that it's a TV show. and uh, Oh, God, I didn't even think shocking. about the real-world implications. But in the real this. world, this fucking eight-year-old, nine-year-old boy is really sucking on this grown woman's tit who's a stranger in the real world to portray this on TV, so I definitely find this more disturbing. That's got to be child abuse, isn't it? I imagine his parents signed a waiver. <laughs> now, now, little Jimmy... Yes. Uh, just put this woman's uh nipple into your mouth and pretend to suck it like it's my nipple. Is it, why couldn't Mary Kay Letourneau use that? Okay, these references have got to be clarified. She was one of these uh, teachers who had sex with a uh, like a you know fourteen year old kid and wanted to marry him. Oh, we had Deborah LaFay in the uh, in our neck of the woods. Uh, so yeah, there, yeah, you, there know, you go. It happens. Uh, but yeah, oh, I think. Go I hope I'm right about that. I thought Mary Kay Turner was one of those creeps, but I could be wrong. Could be. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's just uh, her sister is crazy, so Tyrion wasn't lying about how, uh, in the previous scene, 
for it failed to mention he's he said oh your uh your sister has changed you're taking me to your sister yeah you don't know what she's like she was always a little touched but now she's full on uh bananas uh and he was right she's pretty crazy um and he she seems pretty upset that cat brought him there um and we know looking back that this is all on Littlefinger's orders that she is, she actually killed her husband, John Aaron. Spoiler alert. Yeah. We will well, Hugh with the Veil did it. What? She was involved in the conspiracy, but I think Hugh with the Veil actually did the deed. He might have, more than likely, yeah, but absolutely yeah. it was on her. She was complicit, uh, if not the one who told Sir Hugh to do it. Um, so, But this is on... Um, Littlefinger's orders, and it's also on Littlefinger's orders to frame the, the Lannisters, saying they're the ones that that are doing it. So, watching it with that knowledge now, um, it's interesting to watch how she behaves. I mean, she's still yeah, crazy, she's but such she's a piece of garbage. She is a human piece of garbage, but um, yeah. she's trying to frame the Lannisters. Um, but she knows she's <laughs> the Lannisters didn't do it, so <laughs> she's kind of conflicted there. Um, yeah. Also, also, she can bang Littlefinger. Yeah, I mean that seems worth it to me. I don't know about you. Oh yeah, big time. Uh, we also get to meet Mord and see what the uh, the sky cells are. Those are pretty cool looking. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, something Mord, he was funny. Maybe just because yeah, he was. Yeah, no, uh, it's comical. Like in the book, yeah. he's an idiot, but uh, like a disturbed idiot. This guy just seems like a, a grip that they had lying around, and it's like, "Go sleep here, little man." Ha 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 ha. Like, uh, like somebody's <laughs> never done any acting before. They just found like the biggest, fattest, grossest guy. Like, this guy probably yeah. had a profession. He might have been the sound guy. Like, hey, you look like a disgusting asshole. You can play a... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can play a, a, a guard. Typecast um, as a slot. Yeah. Now watch you watch like, look him up. He's yeah. won, like, Tony's and he's yeah. won, like, yeah. Academy Awards. <laughs> he's like, I've been Henry VIII, and now I have to play <laughs> Maud. Like, as fucking... As my turn as Maud. <laughs> yeah, so I thought he was uh, unintentionally hilarious as well. Yeah. Sky cells are really cool. Uh, I, I like being able to see those. I, I thought they were I thought, I thought the production value was really high on that. Like, uh, yeah, I saw how they did it. They composited shit together. Uh, but seeing it, uh, it looked pretty seamless. Yeah, I thought it, it looked really cool. The shot of Tyrion looking down off of the sky cell um, was, was a cool shot. And I'll tell you what, these people in the Vale—they're pretty smart because think about it, if you had to build a building. And you could just leave off one of the walls. How much money would you save? So like a quarter off construction costs. Yeah, but on heating, it'd be out the yeah, you know. Well, you don't have to give a shit about the heating <laughs> to the prisoners. Uh, in the book, it's even more fascinating because the sky cells are slightly, ever so slightly, angled towards the edge. Mm-hmm. So you, yes. if you fall asleep, you'll just like casually let's start rolling towards the edge. Um, and they say it drives people crazy. Um, the threat of jumping is so ever present that people just jump like Chinese water torture just to end it, um, because they're always afraid they're going to jump, uh, which is a yeah. deep level of psychological torture that I think is fascinating slash disturbing. Yeah, pretty brilliant. Yep. So then we go uh, see we see Renly and uh, Loris is shaving him. Uh, we uh, learn gay position. Gay. Yeah, pos- well, how would so you characterize this? BJ's position? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah, God, we, we, the we, noises. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Jesus. And it's not um, It's it, it's not because it's two men. It's because I was upset when Roz or whoever the prostitute was doing it to Tyrion earlier in the season where it's just 
uh, somebody flating somebody else and going like they're yeah. eating a goddamn peanut butter and jelly sandwich and they have no <laughs> water or milk to wash it down. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, I, I don't know, uh, a little bit too far. But um, <laughs> so we learned a little bit more about Renly's brother, who of course is Stannis. I don't think we've seen Stannis yet. Nope. Uh, in the series, uh, Loras kind of. I, I, what was weird about this is, I think Loras is supposed to be like this in the book, where he's kind of lithe and um, like a fluid fighter, but he just looks like like a twelve year old boy. I mean, he has almost no defined muscles, or I don't know how he's such a great knight. Yeah, I guess because didn't you think if he was training as much as they as he said he would. Yeah, I guess he he doesn't disturb me nearly as much as King Robert not being like even like showing flashes that he might have been a, a humongous uh yeah. brutish warrior. Um so Loris doesn't bother me because he's also like 16 or 17 in the book, so I'm willing to forgive it. But yeah, I mean it doesn't make sense that he's you know has, you know, a bird-chested actor and not somebody who yeah. at least does a couple of push-ups on the reg or <laughs> somebody who doesn't yeah. skip delts and tries whatever those are. Yeah. 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 So, so they discuss uh, Renly potentially becoming King, but I think he's like fourth in succession at this point. Right. Um, discuss how everyone loves Renly, how he'd be a good King. And then of course he gets the suck job at the end. Right. Um, but this is definitely the, um, Tyrells starting to plant their seed of power. Like I was just about to say that this, I think this is the first time that we got a good sense of, of who Loris is and the power of his family. And that the fact that there's even a debate about whether they could be in the same uh, neighborhood as the Tyrell or the Lannisters as far as far as wealth is concerned right. uh, is, is interesting detail. Yeah. So like in the books, it's, it's clear that um, Loris was definitely in love, like deeply with Renly and in this, in the show, it makes it almost seem like because of this kind of like nudging him to be uh, kind of take the secession, uh, mm-hmm. it makes it seem like he's more manipulating him than he is like genuinely, um, uh, whatever, in love with Renly. So uh, it's just, you know, it just shows more machinations of the other houses um, of Westeros. Which is fine. Yes. Yeah, we we don't know. This the story so far has been very insular, and in that it's it's only concerned a couple of families, and there's definitely a lot of branching out as the show goes. And it's again, it's interesting to see these kind of hints be laid along along the path. Yeah, because uh, as a viewer, the first time I can't imagine you'd give a shit about who Loris's family was. You got no. too many people to keep track of as it is. Yeah, yeah. Despite them, the fact that it seems like all these plot points they hit on each plot point like four or five times right. over these last four episodes, five episodes. So, all so right. not so, much, not much that scene other than some more uh, gross noises. Gross. I mean, it's just. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. And then, and then he's making faces at the same time. <laughs> I just don't want to see any dude getting his wiener sucked on. <laughs> <laughs> it's straight or gay. I don't care. I just it's it's jarring in the context of this. Did you watch this week's episode of Vice Principals? Uh, no, I have then not. You're yet. in for a pleasant surprise. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right. So then we're still in King's Landing, but then we check in on uh, Robert and Cersei, and they have a moment. I kind of like the scene. So Cersei comes in and impresses upon Robert how they need a king's hand. Um. You know, Robert's getting a lot of shit for fearing the Dothraki, but, you know, uh, and the Targaryens, but I feel like he has, like, legitimate concerns. I mean, it's a direct threat to his, uh, 
his kingship. Uh, yeah, I feel like everybody else is kind of like minimizing that threat except for him. Uh, now, obviously, he has some kind of personal beef because of uh, Leanna and how he like romanticizes their uh, relationship and how he hates uh, Rhaegar, even though he killed him. He still hates him, still dreams about killing him every every night or whatever. Um, but he also laments that, uh, you know, it's, it's impossible to rule seven kingdoms. Um, how there is no, like, you know, he says that they could, a unified seven kingdoms could throw the Dothraki back into the sea, no problem. Um, but the Targaryens were the only ones that could keep together seven kingdoms. And presumably they did it with dragons and by, you know, brute force that the, the dragons allowed them to have, um, uh, but right, uh, Robert, you know, rightfully identifies the Seven Kingdoms as a hodgepodge of like wobbling houses with no singular purpose. Um, this kind of reminds me of you know like the Watchmen, where uh, Doctor Manhattan pretends to be, yeah, I think in like an alien in the uh, comics and a uh, god in the books, just to unite the people of Earth uh, into a singular uh, front. You know, like the one way to avoid apocalypse was to have a common enemy amongst everybody. Um, uh, and I guess they just don't have it. I'm guessing that's going to be the others. Uh, if there's anything that's going to stop yes. the squabbling, it's going to be the threat of the others that's going to make, you know, the you know the Starks fight alongside the Boltons and, uh, and Lannisters or whatever. Um, it's going to be the unifying um, potion that's going <laughs> to stop... Uh, the people of Westeros from destroying each other, they're going to band together to destroy another enemy, which is sad. Uh, it's sad to state of affairs when humanity needs an enemy. Um, but that's, that's, I guess how it is, which is fucked up. Um, but anyway, after more wine, they share a moment reflecting on their marriage. Cersei asks about Lyanna and Robert's taken aback, but he confesses that he can't even remember what she looks like now. Cersei brings up their lost child again, so I guess that actually uh, was true, that she had a actually had a legitimate child with Robert that didn't last, um, who died in infancy, which is strange that Catelyn never heard of it uh, in hindsight. Like, you would think that would have been biz- big news if the king- queen was pregnant for nine months and gave birth. You'd think everybody would know about it. Uh, but regardless... No question. Uh, Cersei finally asked, was there ever any chance for uh, them... Because Cersei admits that she felt something for Robert once, and Robert replies coldly, "No." And then asks if uh, she that makes her feel better or worse. And Cersei says she doesn't feel anything, which seems like an obvious lie. Because why would she ask? And she wasn't curious. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think some part of her still wants to be like in that ideal relationship that she probably had when uh, she initially uh, was married to him. Do we know, was she banging Jamie before her and Robert married? Yes. Or was that after? Yeah, they started, in the book, they started fooling around at an early age, and the Septa at Castor Lyrock, uh caught them or noticed that they were being a little bit too friendly and wished to separate them. Uh, it's, you know, unclear whether Tyr- uh, Tywin or anybody else in the family knew about it. But they were definitely into it, but... Um, Jamie was definitely more about Cersei than Cersei was about Jamie. Cersei had designs on uh, Rhaegar uh, Targaryen. She was hoping to be his queen. Um, so uh, when she had to marry Robert, I mean, still the 
she's queen either way, whether it's marrying the Targaryen king or marrying uh, the rebel or usurper king. She's still mm-hmm. the queen. It's just that, um, you know, she was obviously looking past Jamie. Um, whereas Jamie has no other love in his life besides Cersei, which is sad. Right, right. Anything else about the scene? I really thought it was one of these weird, ponderous scenes where it was a lot of character development, uh, but it was enjoyable character development. I don't know. I, I enjoyed this kind of honest moment between these two people who hate each other but are kind of uh, stuck with each other, and they recognize they're very self-aware. This is one thing I, I think that's different about the uh, the show, Robert, was he's very self-aware. Yeah, I mean, I thought the line that uh, their marriage is the only thing holding the kingdoms together, and yeah, there were some really good lines. And yes, I agree with you. Uh, good character development. I don't know why Robert didn't, you know, treat Cersei like uh, like a rich guy would these days, where you know, go let her open her own boutique or something like that. Let her pretend that she yeah, let her be a her real own. estate agent or something or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Make cupcakes. <laughs> open up your cupcake yeah. uh, shop there. Um. So I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I he think resented. That, I, I don't know. Like, he resented her so much, and you're right. I don't know. Yeah. Like, you can still hold your candle for this woman you you love. You know, she's not her, but you don't have to treat her like a piece of shit. It's just yeah. like Catelyn and uh, Jon Snow. Get the fuck over it. You know, I understand that. It like you know, you're butthurt about the whole thing, but just yeah, you know, she's not Lyanna Stark. But Lyanna Stark's dead. So just deal with the here and now. Get over it. Treat her decently. That's and it. I'm guessing a lot of, of her her current attitude is because of her mistreatment at the hands of Robert Baratheon right. for and that, decades, you know? Absolutely. And that's that's a big theme. Um, you know, people doing terrible stuff because they've been treated terribly. Um, you know, that's the same way in our world. You know, you look into most serial killers or anything Here like that. We you, go. It's not their fault. <laughs> no, I'm just of course everybody, you know, yeah. Uh, obviously I'm not excusing people's behavior like Cersei is not justified in murdering a whole church full of people even though I think <laughs> it's cool entire, entire religion, <laughs> even, though I, religion. I, even though I personally think it's uh you know not going too far I think that's fine uh yeah. but in general um it doesn't excuse her actions it just explains it um and that's you know and that's fine yeah she's she does show signs of being an asshole though from uh early birth uh, we get a, a story from uh, Ober and Martell, the Viper of Dorne later, about how he went to visit uh, Castle League Rock. Uh, Cersei pinched Tyrion's penis yeah. uh, and hurt it real bad because she hated him for killing her mother because Tyrion's mother died in childbirth, bringing Tyrion forth. So she was a little fucking uh, asshole before King Robert abused her uh, mentally. We, you know, and she was also a snotty brat to uh maggie the frog as well yeah so you know it's so okay so she's not excused at all no nope but uh i did i blame her for i blame her for robert's treatment of her (laughs) yeah robert probably wanted to treat her nice but she was such a bitch that he couldn't he couldn't help but just uh treat her like shit um but yeah other than that uh i just thought it was a pleasant scene that really doesn't progress the story but was um fulfilling i loved i liked it i liked the uh camaraderie there it was nice yeah and i, I mean I, I i we knew i think before this we knew that they didn't like each other but this really provided some good insight into their relationship i thought yeah. and also some idea of of what these uh baratheon lannister 
union is really all about. It's it's just about uh, it's about the kingdom. It's not it's about a pol- the, it's, it's a political marriage. Yes, absolutely, no question. So then we go into the last scene. Uh, it's Ned is in Littlefinger's brothel and he's meeting uh, the uh, another Robert Baratheon uh, Robert Baratheon bastard in the brothel. Talks to Littlefinger. Uh, Littlefinger says that John Aaron tracked down all of Robert's bastards. Uh, when asked why, he says maybe he wanted to take care of them. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, and of course, while Ned is exiting the brothel, he's set upon by Jamie and uh, the Lannister guards. There's some fighting. Uh, a couple of Lannister men are killed, including Jory, um, who I don't think we we he was in the show a lot, but I don't even remember his name really being. I don't said. really. I, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Even in the books, I didn't give a shit about Jory. Like he died, and it was like a big thing. Ned's like, oh, he was, you know the head of my household guard, and they bring up his name like five or six times later. I didn't care. He looks like probably 20 other dudes in this show. Uh, very nondescript. <laughs> you know? Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to the actor if he's listening, which of course he is. Sorry, bro. You did a good job, but they didn't give you much to work with. Yeah, there. you look like any other dude. Yeah, I mean, just, uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, then it ends up becoming a one-on-one versus uh, Ned and Jamie. It's a pretty good fight uh, up until one of uh, the Lannister guards just uh, stabs uh, Ned in the back of the leg. It puts an end to it. That's the kind of initiative that like your boss could either like reward you for. I mean, like, yeah. This guy takes the bull by the horns, or you get punched out by Jamie. Bull play, bull play. And I think you want to air with Jamie Lannister. You want to air on the side of I'm going to get punched out for doing this. <laughs> yeah, I would just I would keep my mouth shut and just. Yeah, I'd rather get punished for not doing anything than punished for doing something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, in the books, I think they stab Ned's horse and Ned's horse falls on top of him, breaking his leg. Uh, so they don't directly attack Ned, uh, but they do slaughter his men and leave him uh, writhing in the streets like they do in the show. Yeah. Um, so this is the beginning of basically all-out war. Uh, it's strange to me that you know, a member of the King's Guard, Jamie, did this. Like, yeah, I, I don't know how. I don't know how Robert doesn't uh, strip him of his uh, fucking. I know he's married to the guy's sister and all, but he should fucking kick him out of the goddamn King's Guard at the very least immediately. And I don't think that happens. I mean, we know it doesn't happen because Jamie is still a King's Guard knight. Oh well, until his fucking bitch ass. <laughs> illegitimate son Tommen boots him from the goddamn uh, order this past six, season six. But yeah, he's still a member of the Kingsguard. He just, uh, you know, he commits this assault and then runs away and joins with his dad's army, which, uh, how is he not kicked out of the Kingsguard? I just really don't understand this. No, I don't either. Um, to do so, to attack the, the knights or the hand of the king, former what? hand of the king, as he points out, but still, like uh, yeah. a, a lord of the seven kingdoms in King's Landing breaking the law, the king's peace or whatever. Um, it just seems like a horrible uh, uh, offense here. Yeah, I agree with you. It's very that's a very strange. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't know I don't know. Maybe it's more uh, Robert just not wanting to stand up to the Lannisters because he's he's surrounded by him. He's married to one and so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean that's the whole thing is he goes hunting and that's how he dies. Is he's just not. Facing the problems, he's just ignoring them, uh, yeah. running away from his problems, and that's how he ends up dead, I guess. But um, it just seems like he could at least, I don't know, after a couple beers, make that decision. It doesn't seem like it's a horrible like 
anybody would expect you to do the same thing. Like Jamie would, I guess, be expecting that. Like, I don't know how Jamie wouldn't be expecting to get kicked out of the King's Guard. He's going rogue and just attacking people. So yeah, but, he's a Kingslayer and an Oathbreaker. Um, moreover, because he did this and a, and a sister fucker. Well, let's come on. Don't. He's a good guy. Don't judge him for that. Don't, don't judge him for that. Yeah. Sure. All right. Yeah, as a whole, though, um, this is how the episode ends. Like I said, this this episode is very similar to the last one, which not a lot happens, but I think there was enough action. Uh, we had the uh, you know fight between Sandor and the Mountain uh, Clegane Bowl uh, preseason. Let's call it. Sure. It's and an ex- exhibition match. Yeah, an exhibition match, and we also had this showdown between Ned and. Jamie Lannister, who uh, should have kicked Ned's ass in all in all fairness, because uh, I don't know, Jamie Lannister is considered to be the greatest swordsman in the land before he gets his hand cut off, uh, and Ned's a little old man, um, but uh, not but, nearly as much of a swordsman as we thought he was uh, during the uh, the uh, oh yeah the Tower of Joy cut right. uh, scenes that we see later. Now, to be fair, he was fighting the greatest swordsman in the land. At that time as well. Um, right. Mr. Morningwood, what was his name? Yeah, his name was Morningwood. <laughs> <laughs> as hard as the morning. Um, but um, but yeah, the added action, I think, and the fact that there was more intrigue, um, to me that actually came to pay off a little bit uh, with, you know, uh, directly with uh, Catelyn stealing Tyrion and seeing the fallout from that immediately uh, I felt uh, raise this episode above last week's episode so I think last week I gave it a 1.5 I'm going to go ahead and give it a 2.5 straight up mediocre middle of the road uh, which means that I enjoyed it but you know wasn't exciting um, wasn't a great episode by any means but I feel like um, it's better yeah I think it was better than last week it's it's just with all of the th- this season so far has been largely all intrigue, and once you already know the answers to the intrigue, it's just not quite as interesting. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, it was it was definitely worth watching um, again. Uh, but if I went back and watched the series again, I, pro- I might skip this one. Yeah, and um, I would skip last episode as well. Yeah, no question. So um, man, I don't know. Um, Untoasted Cuban sandwich? No. Uh, any public... Oh, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Any submarine sandwich from Subway. Okay. Yeah, that's not very great. That, that'll that get you... You know, that'll fill you up, but that's not really... It's edible. It's yeah, cheap. it's edible. It's cheap. They're fucking lying about... Uh, all of everyone is $5. They're full of shit on that. Yeah, you know that. like, except for the good ones. Yeah, except for the ones you don't want to eat. Oh, you, you actually- don't want bologna, bologna, and bologna? It's going to be extra. <laughs> Try our triple baloney. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. All right. So, um, yeah. Convert that. It's probably, I could probably give this about a two out of five. Okay. Yeah. It's a little less than me, but uh, I think that's that's fair. Um, I will say that last after last episode, I was really like thinking of re- this rewatch as a chore. And this episode, uh, I'm not going to say it reinvigorated me, but at least uh, gave me enough energy to watch the next one, which is all that uh, I can ask for. So we'll be back probably for another one next week. It was this was this episode was good enough to, to not make you quit the podcast, <laughs> right? 
So we've been doing this. Last one had you questioning whether you should quit the podcast. Yeah, we need to have a countdown for like when next season starts, so we can, uh, you know, it's just like doing jail time where you just like, you know, cross another, uh, you know, four lines, and then a, then the fifth one is a hash through the whole thing. Uh, But yeah, uh, we're gonna keep plugging away um, because we get so much love and support from you guys on a regular basis. We appreciate all the comments. We appreciate all the five star reviews on iTunes. Um, and all the love you guys really make it known that you like what we're doing and we really appreciate that so on behalf of Brian this is Doug saying uh, thank you very much and see you next Tuesday 